you're plowing a field in biblical times, you have your oxen forging ahead, and you might have trouble turning the dumb animal. Maybe the ox refuses to, to turn around at the end of the field and go back the other way. Maybe the, the ox just will not listen, will not turn, and at that stage you cry out to this obstinate beast, stiff-necked. Well, that's what God says to his people nine times in the Bible. He says we are stiff-necked. The first occasion is in Exodus chapter 32. God Most High is speaking to Moses and he says this, Exodus 32 verse 9, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. God's anger is provoked by the people worshipping their new golden god, the golden calf. You can check out yesterday's video about that. As far as God is concerned, this idolatry is a matter of stubbornness, a refusal to be led and to turn its stiff-neckedness. And in being so stiff-necked, the Lord's people are courting total annihilation. In his wrath, he threatens their destruction. But from verse 11, Moses intercedes for Israel. He stands in between God and the people and he reminds the Lord of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And stunningly, the Lord listens to Moses' intercession. Verse 14, Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. We are stiff-necked. We refuse to turn from our own wicked ways. But God is not stiff-necked. He has every right to keep on going the way he goes. We don't. And yet he is the one who relents. He is the one who turns. And you think, how amazing, how is it possible for stiff-necked sinners like us to be shown the grace of God? Well, the rest of Exodus 32 will show us. First of all, we are shown the cost of atonement. Moses calls the priests to execute a judgment on the people. The Levites pick up swords and in verse 28, they kill the guilty. Levites have always been bloodthirsty men. As Jacob prophesied about their tribe, he says their swords are weapons of violence, Genesis 49 verse 5. And here in Exodus 32, their violent act is their consecration to priestly duty, verse 29. You might even say it's their ordination. These Levites became priests on the day when they took up the sword. From then on, every time you wanted to come to God, you had to come to the temple. And what would you meet? You would meet a Levite, one of these violent men bearing swords. And you'd have to confess to them how stiff-necked you are. And in response, they would pull out their sword and, my goodness, how fearful this would be. Thankfully, the sword would be plunged into the animal, the, the, the substitute. But as that happened, you would be in no doubt that this bloodshed is what you deserved yourself. So in Exodus 32, we see the cost of atonement as the Levites take out their swords and kill. Sin costs us our very lives. But secondly, in Exodus 32, we see the way of atonement, not just the cost, but the way, because we read about Moses interceding for the people. Think of verse 30. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book that you have written. Moses acts like a great high priest. We'll think about high priest in a couple of videos. Moses offers to stand in for the people to die in their place. 
He doesn't offer the, the blood of goats or bulls. He doesn't offer the blood of the stiff-necked sinners themselves. He offers his own blood, the blood of the innocent, the blood of the people's ruler. It's astonishing. Everyone would have wondered, is Moses, is Moses the promised Lamb of God who will make atonement for the people? This true Lamb of God had been promised way back in Genesis chapter 22. Is Moses the one? No. God Most High declines Moses' offer. Instead, in verse 34, the Father reminds Moses of his angel. Moses was not the ultimate leader of the people. Moses was not the ultimate high priest. He was not the ultimate atonement. The true leader and commander, Jesus Christ, he was at their head. He was indeed going before them. They must continue to wait for him and to trust in him. Well, one day, this Savior, Christ, would descend from the heavenlies. He would be a true and better Moses. He would come down into the midst of his stiff-necked people. And he would be handed over to the Levites, the chief priests, those violent men with swords. He would be killed by piercings, slain as a sacrifice. He would be blotted out of the Father's book. But through it all, he would be the great intercessor, offering himself to God on our behalf and praying for our salvation. Isn't it incredible? In Exodus 32, Moses offered to be the great atoning sacrifice and the Father declined. Instead, he gave up his only beloved son. And His Son willingly gave Himself up for us. What a love, what a cost, what a way of salvation. Here is stunning love for the stiff-necked.